and welcome to Screen Tone Club, episode 11. This is being recorded on the 11th of November, 2018. Uh, we have a bit of a gap going because we just last week um, were at Hibanacon 2018, where we recorded a live episode, which comes out in two days' time as we sit to record this now. Oh man, timelines are silly. Um, there, we recorded a pretty bang-up episode, and I'm looking forward to hearing what people think about it. And more importantly, we got to drink, um, both myself and my lovely co-host, Mr. Andy Hanley. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing good. My, my pro-life tip for this podcast is having time off is good, as it turns out. Yeah, it turns out if you take a week off work, you have a week off work. It's, you know, it's pretty boss. Yeah, yeah. Um, like there, there are all these things that you can do with your time, like anything. It's really well, weird. For the purposes of this podcast, you read manga. Um, <laughs> yes, there is that too. But that's, yeah. that, that, that is a good thing in itself. So Yeah, yeah, it totally is. I... I, I, we're not going to be talking about the series on this episode, but I bought and have now read three volumes of um, Prison School, and they're like omnibus edition volumes. They're like two volumes each, and man alive, that series! I, I don't know whether we want to cover it at some point in the future, but man alive, that's a that's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I've watched the anime, but yeah, like I, I've had, uh, given that it's it's a title that uh, that my employer, Anime Limited, have released. Like, I've, I've had plenty of people come up to me at stands at events and be like, "Oh man, the manga!" Like after after where this anime leads off, it it does some stuff, and uh, like I'm I'm both intrigued and and horrified. Like I'm not sure I want to go there, but uh, I'm, I'm it is a series that intrigues me. Yes, some of the horror, admittedly, you know, you kind of get used to it. And up to a point where this morning I woke up, um, fed the cat, sat down, started reading it. And I'm like, what the hell? And I just started laughing because it's like, this is so stupid. Like, what am I doing? Um, <laughs> but yeah, fascinating stuff. Do not go on the Wikipedia page for that series. Um, it will instantaneously spoil you right from the off. So I now know what's going to happen in the next few volumes. And I'm a bit annoyed about it because that would have been a cool surprise. So thanks, Wikipedia editors, jerks. Um but um so yeah this is your fortnightly look at manga focus on joint discussion hence why we're not going to quite talk about prison school because andy hasn't read it yet um we're going to be announcing our next series at the end of the episode um and also about series we're going to read um voting is now open for patrons on the three dollar and up tier to vote for our next um our next bonus episode um we have a tie at the moment we're recording um some people are being far too polite and not getting in their votes um but i recommend doing so because that way it's more fun frankly we get more of a fight going on so yeah so far everyone's been very polite um we only have one wretched right not light novel um vote and even that one sounds quite interesting so it's not actually that wretched hooray um but yeah if you have it in your heart to support us it means a lot um as mentioned every time i mention it it's paying for our hosting costs and um you know our next tier is to basically cover the cost of books which will frankly allow us to be a bit more adventurous because it's a bit difficult like to just decide oh let's just 20 just drop 20 pounds a piece on this big volume or slightly harder to find volume and then hopefully get an episode out of it and then you you it's it's a thing but yeah, again, thank you to everyone who is supporting us. It means the world. Um, so moving on, we have our first section, Returning Champions, which we have kind of an embarrassment of content for, but we're going to keep things a bit um, sort of reined in. So first and foremost is Inside Mary. 
um, which is a series I read the first volume of last episode. And Andy, you've read the entire thing beforehand in a previous time. And at our live show, you said something ominous about wanting to hear what I thought of the rest of it. Um, and yeah, so I was also interested, so I'd continued reading. Before I launch into my thoughts, what did you think overall from Inside Mary, just to kind of catch me up? Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked it as a whole. Like, I've got to admit, because it's been a while since I read it, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff in the middle that I can't really remember. It's kind of, like, more the sort of the, the closing volume or two of the series that I kind of remember being where it, it kind of really went kind of batshit crazy to, to the war stuff. But I, I, my my main memory of kind of reading that manga is that I read it in incredibly short order and I was just burning through chapter after chapter because every time it was like, oh, I need to see where this goes next. And it was very much, you know, a, a, a page swiper, I guess we should call it in this digital age. Like I, I couldn't leave it alone. And I, I feel like I read like the vast majority of it just like in a single day because it was just like it was a weekend and I was just I was just turning and turning and just going through the entire thing at great speed because I had to see what happened next. Yeah, I have to second that. I mean, even when we were at Hibanacon, um, I was sneaking in quick snatches to look at my phone and read it when possible um which my roommate paul um shout outs to paul um very happily sort of pulled me up on quite a few times and like our hotel room at multiple times became um like inside mary hypothesis central as he's previously read the entire thing much like yourself and i would like come out of the bathroom and just sort of have a theory and want to mention it but then he would sort of look at me over his glasses and then say i can't react dude like i'll spoil something so you just have to accept that i'm gonna stare at you now and i'm like (laughs) okay fair like thank you very much you're doing me a service by not spoiling it and i'm probably making it purgatory for you um and one of those like bathroom emergent like sort of you know emission well not emissions that's horrible sorry (laughs) one of those sort of moments um was at the start of volume three ish i figured out what eventually became the final sort of end of the series. And despite that, I was still really excited to see it playing out. Um, I'm obviously no spoilers just to kind of ruin the entire thing here. I'm not going to like just blurt out the ending, but it does the same thing that flowers evil did that I really appreciated. And Shuzo Asimi seems to do has done two out of two series so far is they take their time ending which is so important. Like Flowers of Evil has a good like two volume, two and a half, two volume ending arc where everything is tied up and finished. Like it isn't just like, oh, penultimate chapter, ending. You know, the same exact thing happens with Inside Mary where the last volume and a half is just the ending arc. Like quite a lot of the actual course issues have been dealt with, or at least you know what they are so they can be defeated. And the rest of it is conclusion. Like it's not just like sudden sudden realization sudden denouement sudden ending it's just like okay we know what the dragon we have to slay is here metaphorically um and we have to go about that and it kind of takes its time which it really really gets mileage out of um very bittersweet at the end like it ended in the most mature way i suppose the the most i suppose healthy way even though it wasn't like everyone's dreams coming true in fact in some cases i think certain characters like kind of not short shrift, but they kind of got nothing. Like they got, they got a bit of freedom and growth, which was perhaps the most important thing they could get, honestly, that wasn't running away from what was happening. Um, but equally it left you in a kind of uncomfortable position because, you know, plenty of people lost out in that 
series um it's it's a really hard read especially when it starts to get really intense um and i enjoyed it the whole way through like i say i was snatching pages of it in between discussions when i was in the lift you know that sort of garbage like i was kind of pinned to it pinned to the manga being it being on crunchyroll manga was obviously a big part of that and it only buggered up like 12 or so times which was still made me swear every time but I have to put that out there as something that was a frustration was uh, it would bugger up and so show me an old page. As we know, that is a thing that happens. But yeah, I greatly enjoyed it. I really, like it still cements Shuzo Hashimi as someone I really I really appreciate their work. I need to catch up on happiness. I'm behind like two volumes. But yeah, I really enjoyed Inside Mario. I don't know, do you think it was the same about the ending, Andy? Like especially like just the length of it and also like the end state of everyone? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm pretty much on on the same page as you. It, again, kind of, I'm trying to remember whether I'd actually finished Flowers of Evil by the time I, I rolled around to, to reading this or not. But I certainly read a significant amount of it, so I kind of knew what I was getting into in terms of how she's Jimmy tends to do things. So I, I was kind of like primed that hey, this isn't going to be like a happy ever after ending for everybody. And like you say, it's not going to be a sudden cutoff point of like oh, and then we found the solution and everything was fixed. Like it's and, and I think even, you know, even without that prior knowledge, like the way that story builds up and pans out, like it gets to the point where it's clear that there's not going to be a simple solution to any of the issues at hand. And it's not going to be a kind of nice, tidy, like, you know, ev- everybody gets what they want kind of deal. So, yeah, like I, I appreciated that it took the time to kind of work through that and uh, and dig into it, because, again, much like Flowers of Evil, you know, if if you pull away all the kind of other stuff, it's really about the characters at the end of the day. And I think yeah. giving those characters time for whatever closure they are afforded and to kind of, you know, get to, to the root of everything that's happened is exactly what a series like that needs. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, I appreciate that it has the time to to do that and to kind of build on everything that's happened up to that point to, you know, not tie it up with a bow, but to, to kind of give you everything that, that you kind of need to see basically from the series. Yeah. I feel like there's at least two points when like characters could have stopped digging as it were, like if they'd have stopped digging, they could have lived happily in delusion land or a form of delusion land and been generally 80% okay with what's happening, but it was still been a bit, been a lie frankly and but the characters can't be dealing with that and have to keep digging and then they realize oh i can't go back to how things were i know no i I now know something that i shouldn't or don't want to but i have to deal with this and it you know it it deals with that a lot more smartly i mean so many anime have the whole like big smash ending or bittersweet sort of aftermath of like well things can't be as they were but in this case it is a bit more adult about it like talking about like not remembering most of the middle of it like i the large sections of that manga i would not be able to tell you what happened but it all felt important especially in the moment and it was a journey you know as, as one thing is that oshimi kind of gets mileage out of the length and the events that happen but yeah it was real good fun there's some really good moments when it kind of turns around to you and goes up oh, here we are like this is what's going to happen next and without giving anything away it kind of it almost um punishes you for trying to be genre savvy or manga savvy which i really appreciated even if it was a bit of a case of like oh yeah i i played myself um i don't know if you felt that as well andy just given with some of the ending stuff but okay yeah i i don't think i i fell quite into to that trap per se but yeah certainly that there are points because of the, the time it takes with things there were points where 
I guess because I was invested in the characters that I almost found myself kind of uh, thinking like, yeah, you know, you could you could just stop digging here. It's like this would not necessarily be a healthy solution to it to just kind of leave things as they are. But, you know, it is probably something that would leave you in a, in a happier place. And it's kind of it's kind of an interesting thing from the, the viewers or the readers perspective, because that there is this kind of trade off of kind of like getting to the bottom of, of the uh, of the crux of the matters. And and the possibility of just kind of like, you know, pulling the wall down over your eyes a little bit and just saying like, ah, you know, I, I'm I'm in a place where I feel okay about stuff and to hell with everything else. And uh, I think, you know, again, had the characters been less interesting and kind of relatable in certain ways, that stuff probably wouldn't have, have landed like it did for me. Yeah. So, yeah. But no, I really enjoyed it. It was really great read. Um, I at the risk of sounding weird or I'm not, I'm probably not going to pick up the physical version because they looks, it looks like a premium release and uh, I didn't love it that it sounds weird. Like it sounds very spite, it's like very childish, but it's also the fact of like, I'm not really interested in buying this thing over eight plus volume, nine volumes or so. Um, I, Cause I really enjoyed what I read my, my reading of it. Sorry. Um, Denver books. Um, but there we are. <laughs> And then I only got so much space, frankly. Yeah, maybe maybe they can release like a, a Crunchyroll sponsored special edition where they just print random pages from earlier in the chapter like, uh, throughout the volume, just to give you the true the true experience. No, I'll just pay a Chavez twenty pound to kick me in the nuts. That'll be just that'll be faster, <laughs> frankly. And I think Ed'd probably like it more. Um, hi Ed. Um, so yeah. I really enjoyed Inside Mary. Um, I have other stuff I'm reading at the moment, which we'll probably get to at future episodes. But yeah, I'm real good. Um, almost so segueing straight onto uh, my topic for this month, this week. Um, it kind of overshadowed my actual pick that I made, which was Mushroom Girls in Love, um, which I picked up from the currently ongoing Yuri sale on Bookwalker. Um, and I didn't, it, I didn't twig from the first page or the, t- the cover, but it quickly became apparent that this is a work by the um, Centaur's Life author, Kay Murayama. And as soon as you see like a mid-range like background character, you go, oh, it's that guy. Yep, totally. They got the eyes. And you can just tell immediately it's by that author. Um, it's a one-volume banger by Seven Seas. And you can buy it digitally, I believe, at the moment. It's a, you know, it's a one-and-done sort of arc. It's set in a frighteningly well detailed um world where the only form of life um outside of plant life is fungi like most things are fungi the main characters are like sentient um you know sentient living walking humanoid fungi their um their form of livestock is a weird motile form of fungus which looks like i don't know like a dish rag with with an eye on it um, there's other forms of fungi go around. They live in mushroom houses, um, on old dead trees. And they have this very sort of like one with the earth type thing. And they harken back to previous times. They have weird little wooden guns that are like steam powered, which felt very last exile-ish. Um, if I just want to resurrect that thing. Um, but yeah, it's a one volume thing. It covers two main characters who I've already forgotten the names of, um, who, one of whom, and it has this whole social hierarchy and this herder lass marries a scribe who is typically of a higher social stratus, but she's a bit of a ditz. So her family don't mind getting rid of her. And every single character in this world is female because they're fungi. Uh, they can, they can breed asexually or they can breed together to like mix things up a wee bit. 
um, and they get married, but then they get embroiled in some kind of unfair and not their fault at all machinations by a member of the royal court um, who decide, no, I want to marry that scribe girl. Fuck you. And precipitates a massive crisis where basically how far will a mushroom girl go to like recapture her loved one? Um, question mark. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like a single storyline with tons and tons of world building and other sort of like accoutrement and like store, like sort of background Bible sort of information. There's a quite frightening, like degree of detail as mentioned already. Like I'm just kind of in awe of the, the world it's set in, um, which makes the single voluminous of it kind of bizarre that I feel like maybe the author got sick of the storyline because towards the end, it just kind of goes, oh, I need to resolve this. Um, yeah, do that. And it all sort of cuts off. Um, maybe there could have been there maybe could have been time to show more random stories from the mushroom verse um because it definitely hints at more stuff and it does show you a few sort of snippets of like court intrigue life and also like possibly the worst version of the solomon's compromise cut the baby in half type idea um in that everyone ends up unhappy unsurprising um but yeah that's kind of mushroom girls in love the synopsis um it's got a lot of the hallmarks of this author um, where, you, as mentioned, you get the mid-range background characters whose eyes turn into single sort of straight lines, um, kind of lavish detail. There's a lot of lavish detail on, unsurprisingly, mushrooms. Um, there's a lot of verticality in it, which is quite impressive. In some cases, it felt almost like nice Sidonia in some wild way, except with mushrooms instead of stark concrete-ish blocks. Um, and it also has some other sort of thing, some other stuff I like where... Um, it also has the author's hallmark of just social political commentary interspersed within it because they can't leave it alone. I mean, Centaur's Life does that constantly in a really bizarre way. Um, like it just decides it's going to talk about the Napoleonic era through the through the medium of centaurs and angel people, question mark. Whereas this does kind of the same sort of stuff about social strata, but with mushrooms um, and other sort of nonsense. So it, it kind of paints a very broad world and then kind of settles for this very interesting and yet very kind of sad story at the center of it where the main car, the main, the main cast pair are kind of, I, I really liked them and I felt really bad for them constantly because man, they have a real, they've got a real short and brutal marriage once, once you get into this volume. Um, but I quite liked it. It was a nice little romp through a completely bizarre imagination. As I mentioned, I would have liked a bit more, like a bit more sort of tales from the mushroom land um but i quite enjoyed it um it did just it's it, it at times it seemed very sort of contrived of like oh yeah the author said everything is fungus so everything is fungus and it it kind of goes up its bum a wee bit in that case um but I, I don't know i really enjoyed it. it as like a sort of a quick sort of fun little daft romp through the mind of mushroom land i don't know if you quite enjoyed it that much andy but what did you think of it well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Elliot. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, no, I I found very little in this that I really kind of glommed onto in any kind of enjoyable way, to be honest. I mean, like the, the world building in particular, like it, it's kind of annoying because you're absolutely right that there's a whole like lot of law and world building like put into this world. But the way it is presented as all these big, boring blocks of text, just like my eyes glazed over pretty much before I even started on that stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Like, like even kind of page one, it just starts with, right, let's, you know, let's go through the social strata of this world. It's like, is there not a more interesting way? Can you at least give me a slideshow or something? Like, don't don't just give me these blocks of text. So that, that didn't really, that kind of set me off on the wrong foot from the start because 
my kind of recurring thing going through the story was that I found it really hard to care about anything that was going on. And I think that was kind of the the cool problem with a lot of it was that I just, it hadn't engaged me from the get go. And mm. perhaps had I been in, in a different mood or a different frame of mind, you know, I would have kind of subsumed and lapped up all that stuff and being like, okay, well, yeah, now I'm invested in this world. But, you know, for, for some reason, the eight page block of text, like in the, between chapters, trying to tell me about the world just didn't kind of do it for me. Yeah, I can um, appreciate that, especially, like you say, for the very first two pages, which are just, here is the cast system of this world. And it's like, what? I, I, was, I'm, I was caught in, a, in like a, a frame of mind where I quite enjoyed that and sort of lapped that up. But if you don't read and sort of ingest and appreciate, not appreciate, that's the wrong word, but like if you don't engage and want to engage with that entire cast system it lays out, the rest of the book kind of falls over immediately because you have, as you say, zero grounding or zero incentive to actually give a crap about any character whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, the, the main two characters, Ariella and Ariella, are, are, are both kind of, you know, cute and they're fine for what they are. But yeah, once you kind of pull away any amount of that stuff, it kind of all falls apart pretty quickly. Um, I mean, visually, like I, I really liked some of the kind of background and detail work early on but i mean it's interesting you said like this that story-wise it felt like the author kind of got bored of the story and wanted to move on to something else because i feel like the artwork had the same turn where the further in you got kind of the more ropey a lot of the the illustration work got and it kind of felt like it was getting quicker and cheaper and lazier as, as it went by and it kind of gave me a similar feel of like ah, you know either they're they were constantly running behind time on this thing or that there was just kind of a a loss of interest in it somehow and they were just kind of like pushing it out the door as quickly as they could because it felt like mm. that dropped off quite quite severely at, at some point yeah i mean i can't remember i don't remember it doing that myself but i after some of i also i also like in my mind it goes from mind-blowing to this is nice or this is really complex because it it kind of sets itself a crazy high bar and then has to try and keep up to it and can't yes so, yeah yeah it's, yeah it's not like it ever kind of falls off a cliff into kind of you know oh my god this looks terrible although surprisingly given that this was a centaur's life uh author there was one incredibly bad drawing of a, a horse type thing that, that kind of really felt out of place to me but, uh, yeah, but yeah. i remember that that was I mean, I think that thing was supposed to look weird or dumb, but it it just looked real wild. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it kind of, it kind of looked like it was like, oh, you know, my my daughter was in the office day, and like I just had to let her draw the horse thing because you know she really wanted to that that kind of deal. Um, but I mean, the other thing I think that again, I guess it's more so later on where things get a bit more kind of action oriented. Like it, it felt like there was a real lack of energy to the illustrations as well like there are kind of fight scenes and battle scenes in there where you can see what's happening and it's all very clear but like there was no feeling of kind of energy or weight to any of it which again like maybe it was it's kind of just the author kind of pushing outside of their normal com- comfort zone of of what they can draw well but it just you know that again just kind of left me feeling a bit dead because these were points where I felt like I should be invested at least in what was going on and who was getting the upper hand and any kind of peril or, or danger. But it all kind of felt a little bit flat and kind of like you know people poking each other with uh, with cocktail sticks rather than anything a bit more more severe than that. Yeah, a bit mo- a bit going through the motions. I can yeah yeah I can see that. I mean 
yeah i i mean to be fair the stuff i enjoyed the most was the talky bits so the action stuff was more just me going okay yeah come on get the conflict <laughs> done with yeah yeah so like i don't know like none of that stuff kind of really narratively all kind of visually flowed for me and and again i think a lot of that comes from just the the lack of interest in the way it presented its law that, that kind of dropped it off although I, I did find myself getting really annoyed towards the end of it because like the the whole um kind of initial marriage between these two characters it's kind of set up kind of socially is like oh yeah like there's there's a scarcity of food and like this is a, a political way of kind of helping to ease that scarcity it's like okay well that's an that's an interesting plot point like you know that's something i can i can dig into like i hope they do more with that and then it gets I, to, I, I utterly forgot about that as well so that's a good sign yeah and then it, it gets to like right near the the end of the book and then kind of like I can't remember whether she's she's like the actual queen or some princess or whatever. Basically kind of sits there and says like, oh yeah, like there's this big food scarcity, but there really shouldn't be because there's enough to go around. We should probably look into what's, what the deal with that is sometime. And it's just literally like this entire thing, all these arranged marriages have been going on. And then after all this stuff happens, they're suddenly like, yeah, we should probably figure out what the deal is with that. <laughs> and it's like, well, this seems a bit of an ass backwards way of dealing with this problem, but but okay. Yeah, it gets real. Stu- yeah, as you say, because like the queen basically goes, "Hmm, my daughters are engaging in intrigue. Oh, whoops! I've let this happen. Should probably fix that." Hmm, never mind. Yeah, it's it's real wild. I completely forgot. I I com- see in my head. I completely forgot about the plot line at the start. And so when that food scarcity thing came up at the end, I thought that was just the author trying to shut it down, apropos of nothing. So I was like, "Oh, I guess you're trying to just finish this off because you're bored of it." But I didn't. I've completely forgot about that plot from the start. So, whoops! I guess it shows yeah. how much it mattered in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess the, the author probably also forgot or didn't care about it enough. But like, I, I think again, like down to the same thing because I, I didn't kind of glom onto any of the other kind of law or, or their caste system or anything. Like that was the thing that I kind of hung my hat on. It's like, okay, well, that's an interesting point. Like, hopefully, that will be, you know, something that that powers on the the events to follow. And uh, of course, once I got hung up on that, it turns out that, that really. Didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, as a weird look behind the curtains meta, meta thing, I normally take pages upon pages of notes for these um, episodes, and I took like a page and a half of notes for this, and that was it. And it's like, oh, I don't have much to say, do I? Uh, shit. <laughs> I mean, I've I've used all of it now, so I managed <laughs> to get something out of it. But equally, it's like, oh, I I guess this kind of went past me a bit, even though I was, you know, like I say, I I, I normally enjoyed it, but equally, I'm not going to start shouting at everyone to read it. Um, yeah yeah for sure at my lowest ebb in the series i made a note that said pan shop land of the lustrous but i think that's even a little bit unfair even by my kind of critique of, of the series but that's kind of the direction i was heading in at some point yeah well if you start comparing anything to land of the lustrous it's gonna something's it's, you know something's gonna lose and it's not land of the lustrous frankly. <laughs> this, this is true volume seven coming out soon can't wait yeah i should um, probably read volume one <laughs> what the hell dude Come on. I know, I know. I watched the anime and it's like, oh, I, I There's I so should. much more. There's uh, yeah, so much I, oh. I should and like because I know the manga kind of goes in different directions by all accounts, it's like ah, I kind of I both really want to and also don't because if they make more anime I just I just wanna soak that up as well. Yeah, but the anime is a very different visual. Oh, sorry, I'm dragging Land of Lustrous into this again. But like the anime is such a different visual treatment and sort of directorial treatment that it feels like a whole new thing, which is totally sweet. Um, but yeah, the anime, go- the manga goes harder and faster and more um, after where the anime leaves off. So I recommend it heartily. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, poor, poor Foz. Um, 
Cool. But yeah, that's Mushroom Girls in Love. Um, <laughs> kind of split the vote here a wee bit. Um, but yeah, I was I was admittedly hoping for something a bit more beefy than what I got, even if I did enjoy it. So it's it's a weird one. Uh, but at the same time, still glad I read it, frankly. Um, yeah. Although it, it, it made me remember that I still have volumes of Centaur's Life I didn't continue reading. And I remembered why I didn't continue reading it because I got <laughs> bored of that as well. So whoops. Uh, Anyway, so onto your pick, Andy, um, the one we probably can get more meat out of. Um, Bloom Into You, Volume 1. Uh, take it away. Yeah, so uh, so this is a, a pick that I made basically because it's kind of turned into my favourite anime adaptation of the currently airing se- season. And uh, like having... Ooh, watched, big words, big words. <laughs> yeah, like ha- having watched kind of like a full half of that show now, like, you know, the opportunity presented itself to, to read the source material. I was like, yeah, I, I want to I wanna check this out. Not least because one of the things that the anime does very well is is kind of its uh, its visual style and the, the way it expresses things through its visuals. And I was kind of curious to see whether that was kind of lifted whole cloth from the source material or whether it was something that had been kind of injected in as, as kind of, you know, an, an impressive directorial element of the anime. Um, and the answer is kind of a bit of both. Like, there, there are some interesting visual flourishes to this, but not as many and not as impressive as, as the anime manages. But anyway, not to get ahead of myself. Um, Blooming to You is uh, kind of uh, coincidentally another Yuri manga. Um, nothing to do with the sale. I just wanted to read it. Um, and uh, it's basically about a girl called uh, Koita Yu, who um, is starting her high school life. And kind of her one big hang up is that she... <laughs> She thinks that love should be kind of your typical kind of shoujo romance of sparkles and flowers and kind of being swept off your feet. And she's never experienced that. And it kind of bugs her a lot, um, not least because when she was in middle school, like she hung out with this guy a whole lot. They were, you know, got on really well together. And then when they graduated, he kind of confessed to her. And as this series starts, she still kind of left him hanging because like, well, I liked him, like I liked hanging out with him, but like I didn't feel anything that I see as being love. So she's kind of like caught up in this this kind of malaise, trying to figure out, you know, kind of, kind of that typical sort of teenage, like what's wrong with me? Like am I different to everybody else? Um, and uh, in the midst of all this, she's press ganged into joining the the student council at her school, uh, where she runs into Nanami Toka, who uh, she first runs into being confessed to by a boy, who she then shoots down. Um, and but she also builds him back up again. I think that bit is really important. <laughs> I don't know why, but that, I've got like a big capital letter thing about that in my notes. Sorry, huh, Andy. Okay, there we should we, we shall we shall dig into that then. Um, but basically, like things things progress pretty rapidly here, and by the end of the first chapter, um, Nanami is confessing to Koito and saying, "Oh, I think I've fallen in love with you." To which Koito is still like, "Nah, I'm I'm not feeling it this either." Um, and from then on. Normally, that would be kind of the, the the springboard to all kinds of crazy melodrama about you know who wants to get with who and you know all kinds of, of hysterics and tears and what have you. But that doesn't happen here. Like Koito is very grounded and very down to earth. She's just like, yeah, I'm sorry, not not really feeling it. But hey, like you know, I'll still help out with student council stuff and we can still hang out and you know still get on with you, okay? Uh, and kind of their their um, relationship just continues to grow kind of more as a friendship, really, at that point. Like, although Nanami is still very much into Koito and frequently kind of reminds her, like, by the way, I'm still totally in love with you. And Koito is still kind of saying, well, no, it's, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's I, I don't see things that way. 
Um, and it just kind of carries on in that vein. Like, I, I really like the relationship between the two main characters and the way they develop. Like, it kind of feels quite natural, despite the the overly kind of eager start to the series that, that is a little bit off-putting. It kind of gets itself on the, the right footing from that point on. So I, I really enjoy that. And I also just enjoy how refreshing... The series is in that it doesn't trade in the the kind of all of your usual misunderstandings and confusion between people. Like everybody in this series, for the most part, is pretty upfront about how they feel about stuff and what they're thinking. Like, you know, Danami obviously just like confesses that, that she's in love with Koito at the gate. Koito is always pretty forthright in like saying how she's feeling about the whole thing. And I think that's one of the things that kind of sets this series apart for me is that it, it doesn't trade in all the usual kind of dramatical kind of undertones that, and, and the kind of lazy things that, that happen in so many other kind of romance stories, Yuri or not. Um, and so I, I kind of really like that coupled with the character developments, uh, which sort of, I know, it, it gives it a little bit of, a, of an edge of realism because, yeah, like sometimes people misinterpret other people, but for the most part, you know, People are pretty upfront about their feelings about things, and and that kind of you know works well in this series. Mm. Um, and and above all else, I just really like Koito's character. Like she just she has yeah. a good head on her shoulders. Um, she is she's very good at dealing with people, and that kind of includes Nanami. Like she's she's good at, at kind of knowing when to to build her up and when to shoot her down. Um, like uh, there, there's some really good kind of like teenage relationship stuff in general. I mean, what, one of my favorite things is actually. It turns up as like the uh, the volume two preview at, at the end of this volume because it happens a little bit later, where Nanami is kind of trying to to play at being sexy and seductive and just completely screws it up because she's basically like, oh, you know, you're such a bad girl, you're going to let me kiss you in the student council room, and Koita's just like, not now, like, shut up, <laughs> don't, don't don't be a perv, and it's just like those kind of like awkward interactions that sometimes happen. It's just like little things like that that uh, that I really enjoy about the series. So yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed it. Like the the anime kind of adds a level of kind of polish and flair to it that I think does accentuate it somewhat. But the core kind of characterizations and the interactions between them are what keep me coming back to that series. And I enjoyed them just as much here for the most part as I did in the uh, in the anime adaptation. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I have a whole bunch of stuff I want to talk about with it. I think the most, the first thing I want to talk about is the visuals. Um, I haven't seen the anime yet, um, but my the first things I was kind of struck by is how lovely and lush and kind of fluffy everything looked. Um, and then the color pages ended and it became a lot more boring. Um, but it was still look like amazing. But man, those color pages really sell it as an intro. And then, you know, things are still very well drawn, but it isn't quite as like atmospheric as it was initially, um, which is a shame. But hey, you can't, you know, that'll take you forever if you try to draw everything in color. Um, I wonder if the anime is like that. I should probably give it a shot if it is. Um, that's actually more of a question, Andy. Is, is it like that in the anime? Because if it is, I'm totally on board. Yeah, I mean, the, the anime has a, a lot of luscious backgrounds and, and visuals, and it, and it uses those really well to, to kind of tell parts of the story and to kind of like add a little bit of of additional kind of drama or context to things as well. Like it is, from a, from a visual standpoint, kind of the overall aesthetic is definitely one of the eye-catching things. Like I really like the character designs in both manga and anime, but yeah, there there is a definite kind of... It's one of those shows you, you could just 
kind of luxuriate in the backdrops, even in kind of things like a, a boring student council room. Like it all just looks really nice and it's all really nicely lit, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, because even the character's hair, like you get when you get you sort of introduced, it's like in the color pages, it's like, man, look at that hair. Like it looks like real, like it looks like a an anime approximation of real hair rather than just, you know the normal banded stuff you get and then it pops into like black and white and you're like oh there we are here we go back to manga um <laughs> but then again like if you try to do the whole thing in color you'd probably be exhausted after eight pages um the main the one i, I really enjoy the sort of travails as you say it's it gets a lot of mileage out of characters basically being up front with each other which is important it avoids a lot of the like idiot misunderstandings dojo like you had it the wrong way around misunderstanding fall over garbage um it trades in much more interesting and also much more mundane stuff which works really well in both regards because you know the characters have different lived experiences you has like an entire extended family and we don't know what um nanami's extended family is like but we'll probably find out at some point but i liked all that discovery and like you say it's really fascinating having nanami basically be like a schoolgirl in love and when she goes like just accidentally to go visit you's bookshop and she's all giddy and you's like knock it off you idiot um just be normal um but also you has her older sister who is like you know college girl sex appeal lady and you know and her parents and all that her dad said something real wild at one point where like someone someone jokes that um, nanami is you's girlfriend and her dad just gets, says quietly oh that i bet not be the case and it's like whoa whoa like but equally it kind of just has that be there as a thing your dad says like maybe he's serious who knows but it doesn't immediately jump up jump off a hurdle and then immediately make it like a, a volume long thing about it maybe that'll come back later who knows um but i really enjoyed all the sort of stuff uh, i like nanami a lot um i've written in my notes i've written her as 73 because nana me um <laughs> so it literally my notes just says nana 73 san um, but I really liked her because she is like the perfect character, like Ojo Sama, like Senpai, head of student council character you see all the time. And yet she kind of spends a lot of time eating shit, like not aggressively, but just like her attempts to be like flattering or cool don't work. And I think there's one part towards the end where basically you sees through her either accidentally or on purpose. The series kind of leaves that slightly ambiguous and basically says, look, if you want some space to talk or to breathe, you can do that. And Nanami's like, oh, I don't need that. And then you're like, okay, I got it wrong then. And then, no, turns out she did need that. And that was really important. Um, the one thing I do like about you is how down to earth she is up until the very last page of the volume where it has one of those like narration bubbles saying, did I know that blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck off. You were doing so well. Like the series is standing alone without that sort of thing popping in. And then it just goes and does it, which was very frustrating. I kind of am over that sort of method. Maybe it's just me who gets annoyed at that sort of stuff. Yeah, that 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 particular bit. I mean, again, having kind of watched the anime and seen further into the story, like I'm still not even sure exactly what that is kind of uh, trying to foreshadow like it feels like it must be something way further down the curve it's like there is there is stuff you know at, at the point in the anime right now that has kind of come to light around nanami etc etc but like i'm i'm still not sure exactly what that little bit of narration means so it, it kind of caught me a little unawares of just like like <laughs> much like yourself of just like oh that's kind of a weird not great way to to finish things off here but it's also like i don't know what that actually means so i'm at least a little intrigued by it yeah, and 
it's real wild. That bit's real wild. But also, like, I I really like this series because it was a really fun read. But I more I've, more time I've spent away from it, the more I've kind of gotten a bit concerned about just the main character's relationship. Like, I it's a really fun read. It's really refreshing to read because it's very different, but also again more mundane, more interesting, more direct. The characters appraise each other and talk to each other as equals rather than just romance protagonists, which you know important. And you know they they're doing stuff. But like you say, there's one thing that's weird at the start where like introduces the characters, like they have this weird thing where they're both like, oh, I'm not sure I know what love is. Do you? No, I don't either. Oh, that's cool. But then enemy falls for you and it's like in like almost in a panel. And then it's like, oh, and then you're almost like, oh, you betrayed us, you sod. Like, why are you doing falling in love with me, jerk? Um, and then it has like a gap for an entire term where she just acts as student council president. So you, I guess they just had to get on with the storyline at that point. Um, but the one thing I don't like is I, the main character's actual relationship feels abusive, like in a really weird two-way system where like you made clear she doesn't really care, but she's going to hang around because Nanami's an interesting, a good friend and also someone she does want to hang out with. But Nanami still hangs around being awkward. Well, not awkward, but being kind of like cool and calm and collected, but also aggressive and kind of leaning on you. But at the same time, you is not complete. I mean, like this is a separate set of concerns. So it's not like the, t- the two do feed into each other, but it's not anyone's fault. Uh, it's hard to apportion blame. It's, I don't want to trip up over here, but like also you constantly like keeps like basically doing the equivalent of what would be in manga called raising flags or something where she keeps doing stuff and basically leaving herself wide open or like basically painting a target on herself. Nanami jumps on her and then you goes, oh, no, silly. So it's, it feels weird, like emotionally predatory on both sides where Nanami is like almost like vampirously latched onto you waiting to kind of like get her bit out and you keeps like flirting like with like keeping this avenue open, which again feels really unhealthy. Maybe I'm, it's, I'm less strong about you, the you side of it than Nanami who does feel unhealthy. So I don't know, maybe I'm overreacting or just getting rather concerned, but man, it felt real nah, about it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think it, it, it's certainly, it's a, it's a valid point to make and especially on Nanami's side, because like, yeah, she, she gets shot down and rather than being like, Oh, okay. Well, we just still be friends it's like you know it never goes through that stage it, it basically gets laid down as like okay well i'm still going to be in love with you and it's kind of up to you whether you you want to kind of reciprocate that or not which is a really weird way of, of doing that i i think the only thing that kind of allows it to get away with that in terms of my reading of the series is because you is kind of not really confused but she's still kind of trying to figure out her feelings and where she's actually at like because she's predicated on this idea of kind of like sparkly shoujo romance like there's always this feeling that she's just kind of totally misinterpreted what her feelings are and that doesn't really excuse anything that nanami is doing but it does kind of it does give kind of reason for her acting the way she is because she's still trying to figure it out for herself. She's like, I like hanging out with this girl. I like spending time with her. You know, I like helping her through with stuff, whether it's, you know, inside or outside of school. But what does that actually mean? Like, does that mean anything at all? Is she just my friend, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But yeah, like it's, it's weird. Like there's definitely a part of it that is just kind of leaning into your kind of, well, Yuri and Shoujo tropes, which is not a good thing for sure. But yeah, it kind of, it it has this 
weird sort of space that it allows itself simply because Koito is not quite sure where she sits on any of this stuff. And yeah, like it's, it's an interesting discussion to have. And I'm kind of I'm kind of with you on it, especially some of the stuff that Nanami does. And again, kind of, you know, moving deeper into the series, she does kind of keep that up constantly. Um, and it, it does turn into a, a weird back and forth at times where, you know, you, you can't tell whether somebody is flirting with somebody else or whether they're just misreading it or, or whatever it is. But yeah, there, there, there is there is some very strange stuff in there kind of when, when you kind of unpack it. And it is the one part of the series that kind of feels unnatural because this isn't normally how this kind of thing goes down. Yeah, I mean, there is a reading where, you know, uh, you know, this is a dangerous territory, I feel almost, but there's a reading where Koito, given her sort of predication, as you say, on wanting the sparkly shoujo moment waterfall of romance, that she's not noticing her own behavior. Like, I mean, she gets, I mean, towards the end of the volume, she has like a, the perfect ripcord to basically parachute straight out of all of this and get free of Nanami kind of conclusively. Um, but she elects not to do that. And in fact, does a weird pseudo confession, like in a really, like, if you, if you know about the characters and you know what's going on, you can see it. But equally at the same time, she's very much a case of like, look, you idiot, look, whatever, I'm just doing this thing. So it, it gets kind of hairy like that. Like there's a moment halfway through, like in the, the hundred page mark or so, there is a moment where you basically again does that, where she kind of, her own actions portray her, but she, again, is it fixed? She's fixated both on either feeling nothing or not feeling what she expects to, um, which makes her a fascinating character and a lot more relatable. Like I really like you, like the Ahau game in particular, but as you say, it's, it, it gets, for me, it gets into the kind of awkward moment, um, which, you know, plays into nice comedy and such, but equally is like, ah, you, uh, you two need to stress, sort this out. And you kind of think you have, but you haven't, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it, it, again, I, I think it also manages to at least somewhat sidestep that because the characters are kind of being upfront with each other, at least outwardly, a lot of that time. Like, there's 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 a, a version of this series that all of this would just turn into misunderstandings of just like, oh, you were flirting with me, no, I wasn't. Um, whereas this, I mean, they they literally sit down and have a, a kind of a proper head to head of like, you know. I'm in love with you, but you know, I know you don't feel the same way. Like, what do we do about this? And then, you know, you basically comes back and says, well, I'm fine to still hang out with you. You know, I'm, I, I'm okay with just leaving things as they are, which again, like it's, it's by far the most unrealistic thing that this series does, but it, it at least tries to kind of talk it out for, for better or for worse, I guess. Yeah. It, it kind of, that's one thing I think it's important is it does actually talk things out. Um, it's yeah, it just at times, especially like I say, it's mostly cause I'm away from it at the moment. Like I want to get volume two at some point, but it, at the, it comes across as emotionally predatory at some points. Um, but again, it makes me more interesting in volume two. It has six volumes and it's still going in Japan. And the five, I think five or so volumes are out at the moment in English from seven seas. Um, it's also the authors like Neo Nagatani. It's their like first professional work, which is man, talk about coming out the gate strong. Um, like pretty good afterward at the end, where basically mocks themselves. I feel like that's the point of all afterwards is just to dump all their self doubt almost. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but no, I, I enjoyed it. It looks nice. It draws really nice. You know, it. The one thing, as you say, is it doesn't go straight into trope land romance cycle of misunderstandings and the same old stuff. Like it feels a lot more, as I say, mundane and relatable at the same time, which I suppose is why it kind of hurts that I keep seeing stuff that makes me kind of squirm a bit. 
Um, but again, you know, I really enjoyed, I'm glad you picked it. Um, cause I keep forgetting about this series <laughs> and it's like, hooray, finally I can read this thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one that I'd heard people talking about a lot kind of, you know, over, I don't know how long now, like a good year or so. So, you know, it was, uh, it was good to, to be able to, to get into it and, uh, yeah, I think it was worthwhile. Yeah. Do you have anything else to mention about this, Andy? Sorry, I feel like I jumped on you. Um, no, no, I, I think that's that's everything, really. Like, you know, it's definitely, as much as I like it, I, I think it, it is absolutely fair to kind of point out its problems. Like, you know, its first chapter, I mean, its first chapter would be a volume of another series because, like, yeah. so much goes on in it, and perhaps it should have been a volume, I don't know. I think it's um, a case where they have to get to the crux of the series fast to actually continue past, like, a one-shot or the pilot, almost, so they're like, we have to, I need to get to the conversation confession bit now so i mean you see that a lot with series where, where chapter one is like the entire volume and then they have to re- rewind for, for chapter two and then spend the rest of the volume spinning it out because that was my best material damn it i can't <laughs> blow all that on volume on chapter one um, yeah yeah for sure but like i mean it definitely uh, i i think it, it kind of it, it kind of speaks to, to like how much i enjoy the, the rest of of the story because like that did set me off on on the wrong foot in terms of like well you you just blurted out a confession out of nowhere from like somebody you've literally had like two conversations with like it it doesn't i feel like it, it could have sold me better on some kind of love at first sight thing but it doesn't even really try to do that it just it, it almost turns and kind of like nods to the reader of just like just trust me on this one like i, I know what i'm doing because like taken uh, stripped away from everything else in the story like it just it really doesn't make much sense at the same time I, I am someone who has had that kind of like not in school and I'm not like you know I'm someone who has had that kind of like meet someone twice and then suddenly you're going out type thing like that's happened to me in the past and when I look back I'm like how the fuck did that happen like it, it's real dumb like people yeah. are weird people yeah. are dumb and stupid I yeah, think I mean, general like, takeaway <laughs> yeah again I, th- I think it's something like it, it's not so much that you can't do that it's more that it's just like the the, the manga itself doesn't sell you on that idea yeah. like, especially because was... i was i was partially almost looking forward to having the two girls basically just being like man romance isn't like i thought we're both empty and then one of them just goes ah shit i like her so that would have been a cool space to swim in but you know i guess the author just didn't want to swim in that swim in that water yeah yeah indeed so yeah like it, it certainly it's it's a series that, that has its issues it is it is not a, a perfect kind of you know work of, of genius it's not a masterpiece but it is really enjoyable and i, I do really like it and uh, we'll continue to to enjoy the these kind of idiots trying to figure out what love is i guess well idiots are the best kind of characters um i must admit i like the i like the art an awful lot as mentioned the color pages are amazing there are some points when i think the author might be under the gun because the quality level goes out the window um mostly because they have giant crowd scenes and man i guess they run out of time because that's a lot of faces to draw <laughs> um but no it's re- it looks really nice it has a lot of real good sort of like place and location um and nice just sort of work of making things feel realistic it's not just like another like you know oh mystical high school you know it actually feels like a real place for once um we have twitter comments from um friend of the show and frequent commenter demel's award um quote i read through the first two volumes of the series and i really like um that even as someone who isn't normally a fan of the genre um, they can enjoy it as for its portrayal of romance. Frankly, in a world overrun with cutesy heist drama shoujo, it's nice to have something more relaxed. Which, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're very correct. Um, I also agree with that. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think as as we mentioned, like it, it's nice to see a series that kind of, you know, th- there is drama to it, but it's not like melodrama. It's not kind of 
screaming and shouting and sobbing like it's it's very low-key and uh again i think one of the reasons why i like use character so much is you know she she just rolls with the punches as they come she's just like yeah okay well whatever i need to get on with my day yeah and, she's got uh, shit to do yeah exactly um, one thing that also is quite nice about this book is that basically it feels like one long running story, which sounds stupid, but basically like chapters roll into each other real easily. Like it feels like a complete volume. Like apart from the first chapter being a bit abrupt, the entire rest of it just feels like one run on thing that you can just keep going through, which yeah. made me read it in a sitting. So that's pretty effective. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that, sure. I really like that where you can just sit down with the volume and, just, and it's like, Oh, I'm at the end. Oh crap. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the one thing I, I will say is like, again, having, through the the anime up to this point like i'm curious to see whether it can kind of continue to be as low-key in its drama because it's introduced one or two things now that feel a lot more kind of critical and might push it over the edge into being a bit more melodramatic and i'm i'm kind of hoping it doesn't do that because i'm enjoying it so much what it is but there are definitely one or two plot points now that, that feel like they could spill over into you know screaming shouting etc etc so i guess we shall see how that goes as well storm clouds on the horizon exactly yep um so yeah storm clouds in the anime though the the clouds are real good in that show yeah but you don't want to storm cloud over your lily garden you know that's just rude (laughs) oh dear cool but yeah that's blooming to you volume one i'm probably going to pick up volume two after we get off this call quite frankly because now talking about it even with my moaning i'm now kind of chomping at the bit to see where it goes so Thanks, Andy. Um, <laughs> I suppose this is payback for making me me making you buy stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, of course. So, moving on to what we can talk about next time. Um, so, I'm kind of picking a series that I've read before and just kind of want to revel in a wee bit again um, and talk about. Um, and that's oh, I'm going to mispronounce this. Um, Mercy Lago. Um, it is a series about um, lesbian bounty hunters. Um, who are excruciatingly, hilariously tall and violent. So, do you remember that tall lass from um, what's that? Bound, what's that? Um, like arms trader series with the silver hair lass. Oh, Jormungand. Yeah, it's like it's kind. Of, it's got and it's got some of the same sort of DNA, I suppose, as Jormungand. Where check it out. Here's this tall lass with guns. Ha ha ha. Um, isn't this entire world crazy? Um, it feels like, it feels almost close to like a no more heroes in how dysfunctional and has self created the series is in terms of its world worldview um, or its setting even. But yeah, how about you, Andy? Uh, yeah, so uh, my pick for uh, the next podcast is uh, Forest of Piano, which uh, is a series that I, I, I meant to look up exactly what what, uh, what year this this manga started coming out in Japan because it's a series that I've heard people talking about for years and years and years. And it normally gets talked about in some pretty positive ways. Um, it's now available digitally, so the I whole thing turned up one out. day out of nowhere. Yeah, it's one of those. I think it's a Kadansha thing, if I remember, that they've just kind of suddenly dumped a whole bunch of it out there. It's like, oh yeah, here's a thing, enjoy. So uh, I figured we should. Yeah, I I was looking at that that the other day, and I liked the sort of the volume art is just character portraits. I'm like, this looks cool. So I've got an excuse to buy it. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> um, Cool. Um, I haven't looked at all what's coming up in the world of manga, so we're just going to skip that bit. Also, we're going to be hilariously... We're, we're already ahead of time when it comes to our episode release schedule. Sorry, everyone. So by the time this, this episode comes out, you will have um, obviously purchased... Um, where is it? Laidback Camp Volume 4. Um, very important to continue reading Laidback Laid Camp. Um, God, I, 
but I've got to read volume three yet. Oh, and Yotsuba volume 14 will be out. So what else are you doing with your life? You need to be reading that, don't you? Yes. Yeah, that, that was the, the important one for me is it's like, oh, yeah, I, I need more Yotsuba like that. That's going to be another one of those series where I, I have to make the decision. Do I continue to buy this physically or do I go digital at this point? Because I have all the other volumes in physical form. And it was- so I sold all of it to a friend. So I am going to buy it digitally. Um, I'm going to buy the newest volume and wait for a sale for the rest of it to backfill. You have made made the smart move. Yeah, well, I'm still spending all my money, so who knows? (laughs) Um, Also, coming out um, in in a week from the time of this release is "Do You Love Your Mum?" and her two hit multi-target attacks, which (laughs) at the moment is the subject of a promotion on Bookwalker, which nearly got me fired at work because it put some tig old biddies right there in the banner. So thanks, Bookwalker. I mean, Um, mean, it, it is a good light novel title. I will give them that. Yeah, it's just, yeah, part of me, like, I was hoping it would just be something cutesy and kind of fun. Uh, but given the artist they picked was Pochi Ida, who did the, like, you know, the, the elder sister-like one. And, you know, not that, you know, enough people have done it in the past. It's not really a shock, but also hentai artist. It's like, yeah, you've just drawn a full-on cheesecake thing about a character who's supposed to be the protagonist's mum. So <laughs> I, I, I will, I will also give bonus points to Book Walker for uh, describing the, the series as a momcom. That's taken off everywhere. I think that's, that's I, I think that's Jane Novel Club rather than um, okay. Well, that's that's real good. Like kudos to whoever did that because I appreciate that part. Yeah, I, I feel like it would be it's only fair to give Jane Novel Club their due for making sure that they put that there so <laughs> christ um but yeah i'm 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 cautiously interested in reading that i wait to maybe i'll ask demel's award to pick it up so i can then find out what she thinks because <laughs> <laughs> she seems willing to jump onto those grenades um sorry i'm slandering you on a podcast sorry um but yeah and that's um what's on the schedule for the moment um kind of a embarrassment of riches hooray digital manga um, so moving into close down, um, you can find our website at screentone.club. Podcasts can also be found on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, other sources, um, not Apple Podcasts. No, not Google Podcasts because it's US only. Don't get why. If you if you do like this podcast, um, please tell a friend, tweet about it. Like that sort of stuff is really, really important. That sort of natural discussion really boosts listenership. Um and in particular, if you have any uh, podcast or whatever, if you can leave a review, that's greatly, greatly appreciated. It really helps boost us up the list. Um, you can find our Twitter feed at Screen Tone Club, or one word. You can also email us um, at show at screentone.club. And as always, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash screentone club, or just Google the name of the show. As mentioned, if you um, jump on the $3 a month tier, you get the opportunity to vote for what we're going to recover in our bonus episodes, um, which you, you a single vote could very easily make or break some dreams um, at the KISS current stage. So we'll see what pops out. Uh, we're going to be recording that in a few weeks. We better talk about that after the show. Um, but yeah, um, for myself, I'm Elliot Page. You can find um, Manga Search, a digital manga search engine I made at mangasur.ch. Um, more updates coming to that soon once I um, find my laptop again. And Andy, how about you? Yes, you can find me celebrating my survival of an intense month or so on Twitter at Hannah's1979. Yes. Also, you can find me at Elliot Page, where I am trying to increase my quotient of cat pictures because I now have kittens. <laughs> um, although they keep batting the phone out of my hand whenever I try and take a picture of them. Um, they've gotten smart, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm doomed. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening. And we will we will speak to you again in another two weeks. So take care. Bye, everyone. Bye.